Welcome to episode 8 of Minol's World. Last couple of episodes have generated so many interesting conversations on my Instagram DMs, my emails, and even with my colleagues at work. It's been a really educational few days for me because not only am I learning more about the politics of the country that I live in, in the UK, even in, back in Gibraltar, but also learning about other countries like India, countries in Scandinavia. And it's a great time for us to learn about other people's countries and their politics because this is what's really shaping the world right now. Um, I also want to thank all my guests, of course, who have joined me to have these conversations and make this possible. Uh, I spoke to Tez Ilyas earlier this week. And for those of you who may not know him, he's a comedian and he also worked with Jeremy Corbyn from the Labour Party during the UK election campaign at the end of, of last year. Uh, it goes without saying that he is a, a bundle of joy <laughs> to speak to. And you can hear it right from the beginning how he made me laugh. And he did make me laugh throughout the episode, even though we were talking about a lot of serious topics. Because Tez is actually very aware of what's happening right now. In fact, he's been he's been on it for the last few weeks. Um, he understands what's happening to the public. He's understanding what's happening to the frontline stuff. And, and the effects that this is going to happen to the healthcare system in the UK in the next few months and even in the next few years. And he's he's publicly offered to help so many people and support people like me in the creative industry as well during this time. So it's really incredible to see someone so established offer their help and still think about others during this time. So it's Friday now, the day this episode is released, which is day 11 of lockdown in the UK. So much is changing from a political point of view on a daily basis. So much is changing from a healthcare point of view as well. So there's so much information coming to light. Doctors are speaking up. Politicians are speaking up. Members of the community are speaking up. And to be honest, we're all just waiting for this to end. (laughs) But have a listen to hear what the lovely Tez has to say. I'm sure you'll enjoy this episode as much as I did. Thank you for joining me today, Tez. Um, I I usually do say thank you for your time, but I mean, time is kind of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a different uh, a different it's a different thing for us now isn't it <laughs> time time doesn't mean anything anymore no. <laughs> you know like um you know like when a when a currency just drops yeah <laughs> uh, and like 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 when the pound isn't worth anything anymore that's like like time isn't worth anything anymore yeah like time the value of time has changed now yeah time is not money anymore like money is money now mm. but thank you for having me oh it says i I, I think we're all in a situation now where we're, 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 I guess some of us are getting used to this quarantine and sort of isolation phase now. Some of us are still struggling to get into it. Um, how how have you been dealing with it? Um, so I self so I got back from Australia uh, 10, 11 days ago. And since then, I've been self-isolating and I've left the house once mm-hmm. uh, to do a quick errand. But I, I've, I've basically self-isolated. So I've been in the thick of it. Um, un- unlike you, doctors and that going out to work and stuff, right? Some of us, yeah, uh, have got it hard, yeah? Some of it have to deal with the real thing of this and what it means and that. Yeah? Not like your doctors just swanning off to work and doing all that, yeah? Some of us have to live it real in lockdown. Nah, I'm kidding. But it's been, um, I- I've been reading a lot of stuff that people have been struggling already with, uh, with, with with being on lockdown, I think I've been okay. I've been trying to live by a timetable, so I've created myself a little timetable. I don't follow it religiously, but I'm trying to follow it loosely. So I'm like, at least I know at the time of day what I should be doing. Kind of, if if mm-hmm. I slip by an hour or whatever, I don't mind. But um, I've been I've been doing okay. I've, I've had 
So I'm, I'm with my mum at the moment in Blackburn, and my sister and her five kids only left yesterday because they've been staying here for a few weeks because they're getting their house renovated. So when I was here, the first four, the first ten days of this lockdown, it was with like a house full of. It was like a Bollywood movie, like a house full of people, <laughs> a house full of people. It was amazing. And uh, and you might think like I'm the nice cuddly uncle because I do because I do comedy. Yeah, I'm not that guy in it. Not with my not with my nieces and nephews. Like I am that tough. They must think to themselves, why is this guy spreading joy around the world? And at home is an absolute bastard. <laughs> at home is an absolute bastard. I don't understand. But yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not that fun uncle at home. Well, Tez, you came back from Australia, and I think I saw on Instagram you when you said that you came back. At the airport, were you swabbed? Were you tested? Nothing. There was zero, nothing, absolutely nothing. Not even, like, I think I saw one poster. I wasn't asked a single question. I wasn't asked where I went. I wasn't asked what I've been doing. I wasn't even given any advice. Not even a sort of like, well, maybe we recommend you to self-isolate or, you know, if you've got a fever, please check that. Nothing. There was nothing. Not a single person spoke to me. And as a brown guy, usually you're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> but for once, I was like, why isn't no one stopping me and asking me what I've been up to? As as brown people, we just expect to be stopped all the time. And right, questioned. right. I wasn't, I wasn't even stopped for that. I was stopped for nothing. <laughs> so they they let you straight in. And at that time in Australia, what what was it like over there? Was were there any cases or there were a few? They were basically where we were about four weeks ago. Okay. So 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 they're about so in the way that we're two weeks behind Italy, they're about two weeks behind us. So right. they were pre they were very chilled. And obviously stuff we were reading and hearing and talking to our friends that stuff was ramping up in England. So I was really nervous about getting back because I thought, am I going to be quarantined at the airport? Is this going to happen? Is Nothing. Nothing. Did they give you any tips of how to isolate at home? Not a single person spoke to me at the airport. So, so technically, you're not bound to isolate, right? Because no, no one's actually told. It's a government guideline. No, exactly. But I've done this because I'm a bloody good lad. I'm a top guy. So you're a good citizen. And I thought <laughs> I've been on. I've been on nine flights over. This is back then. Over that trip, I've been on nine flights in ten days. And I thought it's probably sensible for me to self isolate because mm. I've had the ten flights. I've I was performing out there and, and meeting tons of people and interacting with loads of people who came to the shows. Mm. So I thought, as a sensible precautionary measure. Just self-isolate, yeah. isn't it? Like, like just... Yeah. And it's not like I've got any work on anyway. I'm fully self-employed. <laughs> so, uh, I'm fully yeah. unemployed right now, you know? So that's what I was going to ask you, Tez. I mean, as a comedian and someone who's on the road quite a lot, how, how has this affected you? Uh, did you have any plans over the next few weeks or next few months with, with your work that yeah, had to yeah, be stopped by Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was supposed to record two TV shows last week. Um... No, this week. Sorry, tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, I was supposed to record two TV shows. Another one on Friday. Um, obviously, they've been rescheduled. Well, they've been postponed for now. Hopefully, they'll be rescheduled. Um, mm. So yeah, it's, it's all the comedy clubs have been shut everywhere where I might do work, which is comedy clubs, theaters, TV productions, radio productions, film. Produ- everything's been shut down. So mm-hmm. there is absolutely zero work for actors and live comedians right now. So we're all going online, mm. we're doing things like this, talking to lovely people like you, or going on an Instagram live, or mm. making little sketches and stuff. You might have seen, I've done, I've done a couple of those things, which I don't, yeah, which I, don't, yeah. don't I don't normally do. That's not really my thing. You know, I'm not like a YouTuber. So I've been trying to yeah. learn new skills in this thing, but, yeah. but all of that's unpaid, right? So when I make a sketch, mm. I don't start getting money for that. Whereas if I go to a comedy club and do a gig, that's paid work. So it's um, a lot of rethinking needs to be done over the next few weeks, yeah. I think, for, for, for people like me. Mm. Well, I think that there needs to be a lot of rethinking done in society in general, right? Because um, I think a lot of people who usually go into the office and work are now working from home. And a lot of businesses and companies are 
still doing okay. You know, they're still managing to get through through their work. My brother, he's an engineer and he works with office spaces. And he was saying that a lot of companies are asking him now how they can save money because they realize they're spending so much money in office space when people can just be working from home. But the, I guess the downside with that is the accountability side, the scheduling. You know, as humans, we need some sort of we, we need some sort of pattern and schedule, right? I mean, if we just work from home all the time, then I don't know how efficient we'd be and how effective we'd be. I guess we're sociable animals, but also with anything, you train your mind, right? If, if, if you become used to working in a certain way, within like a generation, that will become the norm. So mm. I guess it's what we want to do afterwards. Uh, but I, even even with like comedy and stuff, like the amount of money that's spent on production, on TV studios, all those flashy shows, yeah. will cost a lot of money. And I'd be thinking after this, they might they must think to themselves, do we need to be spending that much money? Like, mm. which maybe is a good thing for people like me. Maybe the money would go. Yeah. Maybe the money would go in our pocket. I don't know. But but yeah. it, there's definitely need to be some rethinking about the amount of money mm. that is wasted. I think on yeah on on on, on certain things. Yeah, they can put that money in the NHS. That would that would be nice. <laughs> okay. That would be nice. A lot of it is private money, right? So what 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 yeah. so what do you what do you do with it? Like, do you yeah. do you pay people more? Is it just going to go into the pockets of the people who own the companies? Like, it's it's, an, mm. it's interesting. Well, Tez, you you're at a stage now where you have a following, and you know you've got enough. You know you can sit at home and you can entertain people, and and you can get by for the next few weeks, hopefully, even if it lasts for a couple of months. But there are a lot of comedians who've just started out and I guess they had the the you know they were just hoping that they could go on these gigs and all these tours now I'm sure it's affected them quite a lot as well um Rishi Sunak did say that he would help people who are self-employed how do you think it's impacted them specifically and do you think what Rishi Sunak what Rishi Sunak said would would work for everyone um you know what? I have to say, Rishi surprised me. I think he stepped up quite a lot in this. I mean, to give people 80% of their... To cover 80% of employed people... Again, just self-employed in a second. But to cover 80% of employed people's wages, that's massive, isn't it? That is going to keep so many companies flo- floating after this and stuff, which I think is massively yeah. important, especially small companies as well, which, you know, they might employ two or three people and struggle to meet their wages after a month of inactivity. But... For, for self-employed people, obviously that's where I come in. Um, yeah, it's interesting because, let's be honest, a lot of self-employed people don't declare their full earnings. And so mm. Rishi's given us a similar offer, which is 80% of your declared profits, which I think is a fair, I think that's a very fair deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, most self-employed people don't declare their full earnings, in it, And so they, they, they try and massage it so that they're under certain tax thresholds and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lesson in that. Pay your taxes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, but definitely well, a lot. Of people, anyone who's newly self-employed is screwed because I think you have to show at least one tax return, and and they have they they're trying to average the last three years tax returns. But you have to have at least yeah. one so that they can be like, okay, we pay you eighty percent of what your declared profits of were. This. But if you're a new if you're a new self-employed person who hasn't who hasn't put in a single tax return, you are screwed. So that that Good. so that is basically anyone who started after April 5th last year. So anyone who went self-employed after April 5th has not put in a tax return yet, and they are mm. they are screwed. Because their tax return yeah. isn't due until end of next January. So, um, yeah, so those people are screwed because they've got, they've yeah. got nothing to fall back on. Mm. 
Well, you know, so that this is for self-employed people. Mm. But for those who are who are not self-employed, Rishi Sunak did say that he would offer up to two thousand five hundred pounds a month for those who are who are at home, right? So, Ted, I'm just asking you because I've asked quite a few people, and it's quite shocking to me to hear what what they say. So, I'm going to ask you, Ted, how much do you think a junior doctor in their first year of earnings will earn in the NHS? Okay, a month. Junior doctor. So that's first year out of medical school. Yeah. I would say twenty-five thousand pounds a year. Probably, yeah, around that much. You know why? I, I, I work, I work for Teddy's in the civil service, innit? So, okay. so you're probably asking. <laughs> That's so, not fair. So I have a an awareing of how public. Okay. I have an awareing of public sector wages and stuff. Yeah. That's that's fine, Tess, because it's it's really surprising to me, and in some ways frustrating to me that a lot of people think that as a junior doctor in your first year you can earn up to maybe they're saying the lowest number I got was thirty five, thirty eight k, and I I just laughed. I was like, wow, this is what the public think. So for us, we're feeling that well, we are putting our lives at risk every day, and talk, we're told talk, that if we talk don't... to me about that, in a what is what is going... because before you before we started press record, yeah, you were like it's like a war zone I... out there. Yeah. Talk <laughs> talk to me in it. What's going? What what you, what stage are you at in your career? I am I'm an senior I'm a senior house officer, so I'm in my about you could say my second year now. I've passed F two basically. Uh, that doesn't mean anything to me, in it. Oh, sorry. So you're fa- I've passed my foundation years of training, and I'm just sort of waiting to see what speciality I want to go into. Okay, and where do you work? I work in Northampton General Hospital. Okay, so what's what's going on? You you just said you've just come back from work. What is what is? Come on, Mina, talk to me. What is going on? Okay. <laughs> Is this become the test show now? No, no. I listen. I'm, I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm bet, look, your, 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 your listeners, yeah, are going to be better intrigued. Going, Meenal is on the front line, yeah, without any PPE yeah. equipment, coughing down the mic, yeah. What is going on? What is what is? <laughs> she hasn't been coughing yet. What is going on? Yeah. So right now, Tez, it's it's like walking into it's like walking into a horror movie. So you walk in just not knowing what to expect. The corridors are eerily quiet. Because we know what's coming our way, right? We know what's going to happen in the next week or two. We know how bad it's going to get. Um, the corridors are eerily quiet. People are not really talking much because I think everyone has a fear inside. They just don't know what's going to happen. Um, the doctors are quite anxious because we we have our PPE now, actually. I mean, our, our stocks have come in. We don't know how long that's going to last for because... This pandemic is not something that's going to be over in a month or two for us, for us at least, you know, for for the public and in, from the from the government's point of view, you can hopefully carry on with your lives in the next month or so. But for us, it's going to be a long term battle. Um, and we know what's coming our way in the next few weeks. Um, a lot of us today were on YouTube looking at how to use a ventilator. Damn, you shouldn't see my face. We're talking over Skype right now. You should look at my face. <laughs> I am shocked. Shocked. Yeah. <laughs> so we are, because we are concerned because we might end up at that stage where we have to get onto a ventilator. Uh, then they they are trying to train people up to to be able to work at that level in, in ITU. But the bed, they're like 150 beds empty right now. Because they're just clearing everything out because they know what's going to happen. Theatres, my my friend works in surgery. Her theatres are now just turning into ITU beds. Really? Yeah, so they've cancelled all non-urgent cases or non-urgent surgery cases. And we're all just sitting, just waiting. Mm. 
you know, when you just sat there just waiting for the tsunami to hit, that's what we're waiting for. Because as you you know, they're opening the Nightingale Hospital in London and Birmingham, Manchester, they're opening these big, big hospitals in a very short period of time. And we know that it could just be us to run there and, and try sort it out for, for for the next few weeks. So it's it's a scary time to us because every day you just don't know what you're walking into. Yeah. That you could be terrifying. walking into you could be walking into a hospital which is full of sick patients. You could be walking into a hospital where you are not protected because you might not have the equipment, um, and it's scary because we we all know deep down that this could have all been prevented. Yeah, I mean, we I've heard the stories this week that there's three three doctors have died unfortunately. Yeah, um, all Asian as well. Coincidentally, uh, not Asian. Sorry, they were they were. To 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 um I think two are Sudanese, but they're all um yep. yeah all um doctors of color I should say um mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's terrifying you guys you guys are on the front line of this and if you guys are not properly protected like that's that's scary. Well, my husband works in A and E right now. Um, he he spoke to the Guardian. He spoke to a lot of people a few weeks ago. And uh, he's been he's been called the whistleblower of the NHS. Oh wow! Because <laughs> he's he spoke up and he said, "Look, we just don't have enough equipment." Because he was seeing everything right at the front in A and E. He was seeing the patients come in. I work in acute medicine, so I'm not right at the front line. But the patients who do have the who do have suspected COVID do come to me. So he saw everything from a few weeks ago, um, and nothing was done. But the thing is, Tez, from a doctor's point of view, I understand why we would see that because we understand the mechanics of the virus. We understand how this works, but for someone like you, a, a member of the public, did you ever think that it would it would get to that stage in the UK? Because you're obviously going with what you see in the media, right? Yeah, but also, I have. So I'm on a WhatsApp group with some friends from uni who are like mathematicians and and astrophysicists, and like they love modeling and all that sort of stuff. So we've been mm. talking about this for about a month now, and one of my friends was like saying, "This is." Way, he was alarmed way before any of us, a guy called Stay, And he was saying, like, look, this is coming. Like, like back when we had, like, two cases. He was like, and they were like, what, bro? I'll have a Lucas in and walk you off in it. Like, why are you worried? <laughs> like, he, he was he was saying to us, nah, you need to need to be worried about this. I'm worried about it now. We just shut down the UK. And I was like, bro, calm down in it. Like, just chill. But he, he was mm. right, though. And so now, whatever he says, I'm like, bro, give me the info yeah. in it because I want to know what's going on. <laughs> So, but what, what did he see? What did what was he looking at? He was just looking at what was happening in China and the numbers in China and the numbers in South Korea. And then Italy obviously started a few, Italy were a few weeks ahead of us. And just seeing mm-hmm. what was happening and just following the pattern and and just going, this is coming. And like, because, you know, we're an international destination. We are, we are a country where people from all over the world will come. And inevitably, mm-hmm. some of those people will have been carriers uh, because obviously it lies dormant for a few days and you don't know you have symptoms. Yep. So... Yeah, he just saw this coming and was like, you just got to be prepared for it. And I, mm. I only got worried about halfway through my Australia trip when I started just, when I started seeing what he started seeing. And I was like, yeah. oh, Rod, you are right. This is going to be very serious. And like, yes, it's mm. panning out that we're on like, what, 1,500 deaths now, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's. Uh, were you, were you able to portray your concerns to your family? And were, were they able to pick things up as well as quickly as you? Or were you on a different level? Initially, but I think I think I think I got through to them very very quickly. Like I created yeah. a family wide WhatsApp group, like my cousins and like I basically got we got quite a few 
um, households here in Blackburn from the same family. So I just created a WhatsApp group where there's one person from each family was on. Um, okay. And then just so I could relate, I was like, this is not, this is group, it's not for memes. It's not for, hmm. like, I didn't put my dad on there because I know what he's like. So like, I was like, <laughs> this is sensible people. This is not for memes, this is information sharing. And it's just, and also if, if we need any help or if we need any, if, if anyone in this family needs anything, this is the place to ask for it. And also to mm. share information or updates on anything that you may have heard of or you mm. may have heard. So so we so I did that while I was in Australia. And so I've been drip feeding them just a few articles and a few like yep. everything has to be like reliable. So it's not we're not forwarding memes or hearsays or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, it's it's not it's just about getting accurate information to my family and stuff. So because mm. there's a lot of us and there's a lot of like older people, there's a f- couple of people with health problems. So I just wanted to make sure that every household realizes that. You know, if you get ill, you're staying indoors. There's no, there's no visiting, visiting ill yeah. people, which is a big part of, you know, our culture and mm. stuff. So I just had to make sure that they understood what was at stake here. So, yeah. So I yeah, made sure it's to a do bit, that. It's early. a bit tricky because you you're in a position where you want to explain the gravity of what's going on, but also you want to understand. You have to understand that you got elderly members of, of your family, and you don't want to scare them either, because it's a scary time for for a lot of people when you have to tell an old person that. You can't carry on your routine. You can't go outside. You're stuck inside for some time. It's it's quite scary for them. Yeah, 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 it is. But also it's like sometimes you have to put the fear of God in them because like what's the alternative, right? Because if they're not yeah. taking it seriously, they're affecting your whole family, well, themselves, your whole family, and then the other people's families that they're interacting with. So it's like, hmm. and I think part of it is what's hard as well is because there's not been many cases in Blackburn. Like there's not, it, it, it hasn't okay. really got here like that yet. And so no one really knows. I know some people who've got it in London, yeah. um, but I don't know anyone locally who's got it. And I think that makes mm. it hard for people to shut down their whole life because they're like, well, maybe it's a problem down there, but it's not a problem up here. But we, but yeah. we don't know it's a problem up here. We won't know that for a couple of weeks yet. So, mm. so yeah, I think I think some people have found it really, really difficult. Yeah. Well, it says the NHS generally has always been underfunded. Mm. Um, it's not a new thing for mm. us. Why do you think that's always been the case? Because for me right now, I feel like it's taken a pandemic for the, even for the public to realize. I still don't think the government has realized fully how how severely underfunded it is. But I, I live in Gibraltar. That's where I was born and raised. So I was under a different health system over there. Well, it's kind of like the NHS, but because the population is smaller, um, the it's just easier to, to sort of manage funds mm. in, in a small population. But when I came here, I realized how severely underfunded the NHS is. Um, do you think this pandemic will be a wake-up call for the government and even for the public as well? Because to some extent, the public relies so much on us. Um, they some pe- There are some people out there who do take the NHS for granted. So do you think this is a wake-up call for everyone in I mean, a good way? I, 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 you'd hope so. Um, but people also famously have short memories. Like the mm. next election now isn't due for five years. Yeah. So who knows if, if this gets over and done with by the end of this year, that's another four years until the next election in it. And people are sure. And who knows what will happen between now and then that mm. will become a priority in, in people's minds and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you'd hope so. I, I, I found that whole clapping thing a bit cringe because I, I got really angry. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't right? like it at all. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Because because I got into a bit of a to and fro with people on Twitter going, oh, what are you on about? And I went like, it's not about not pe- appreciating people from the NHS in it because they're heroes. We all accept that. 
But mm. let's not pretend like they haven't been underfunded for the last 10 years. Let's not pretend like they're going on the front line without the tools and equipment that they need. And let's not pretend like people, I don't know who I was arguing with, but let's not pretend like 50% of the country hasn't just voted in yeah. someone or, 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 or a government that has chronically underfunded the NHS for the last 10 years. And, have, mm. and we know there's people within that government who've got eyes on privatising parts of, mm. if not the whole of the NHS. So let's not... Let's not stand on our doorways and be like, oh, yeah, our heroes and that. That's great, yeah. But yeah. next time you're at the ballot, yeah, next time you're at the ballot box, then vote, yeah. according, vote yeah. accordingly. Yeah, because it's quite, it was quite funny because that happened, the, that happened last week. Uh, they clapped for us and it was great. It was really nice to see. The next day I was in the hospital and I was supposed to discharge a patient. And I, I just took a bit longer than usual because it was a problem with the medication or whatever. And the patient's relatives started abusing me. I was like, the country was just clapping for us 12 hours ago. And then now you have this because obviously people want to get out of the hospital. People are anxious and I get it. I understand. But it's you're right. People do have a short memory. It's so easy for people to forget. I mean, that's overnight. With it, exactly. With it overnight. Imagine what's going to happen in the next few years. But, but Tez, I read somewhere that Jeremy Corbyn said that he was going to, his plan was last year, his plan was, to inject about twenty billion pounds into the NHS over a course of a few years, mm. um, and you know, give the NHS the funding that it needed. Um, as someone obviously who supported Jeremy and was quite active in his campaign, do you think that was something that was possible? I mean, who knows? I mean, obviously, I don't know the state of the uh, treasury and and, and actually mm. what is the art of the possible. But what I do know is that Jeremy, had he won, he would have prioritized. Um, and have prioritised the NHS. He would have done what he can. Maybe twenty billion would have, maybe two hundred billion or whatever you said. Maybe, maybe, yeah. not, maybe he wouldn't have been able to do that much. But mm. he would have done as much as he could have done. Yeah, he would have done as much as he would have been allowed to do under the financial circumstances. Mm. He would have prioritised things like health, education, build big infrastructure infrastructure projects that would have helped people in the north and stuff. He would have done those things. Mm as much as he would have been allowed to given the financial constraints and stuff. Yeah. So sometimes the headline numbers aren't everything. It's about mm. what their intention is. I was going to say that, with yeah. The, with, the the money, with the money that they've got. So if he wants to put in 200 billion, but he hasn't got that, he'll put in as much as he can, which let's be honest, will be more than the Tory governments would ever mm. put in, in mm. the best, in their best case scenario. So yeah. that's, 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 that's the thing. Sometimes the, the numbers can get in the way of what is the intent. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tez, why why do you think specifically this government had such a lack of foresight, despite what we saw in China, what we saw going on around the world, and we even saw it move towards Europe, Italy, Mm. Spain, and now here we are. Why do you think they lacked the foresight, or do you think they knew what was coming and they didn't act on it? I think a couple of things. One, there's a guy called Dominic Cummings, who's Boris Johnson's chief advisor, and he is uh, a stub- I mean, there's many things I could say about him, which on gonna- which which on PG. <laughs> yeah. But what I will say about him to to keep it, um, you know, PG, clean to keep it clean, yeah, is that is that he he he's a he's a hardcore ideologue in that he believes certain things in a certain way, and that's how he sees the world. Hmm. Other thing is this sort of British bulldog spirit that it's like, oh, we can get through it because we're British, even though yeah. it's not it's not an enemy in it. It's, it's a virus. It's an invisible, hmm. non conscious virus it doesn't care about your bulldog spirit in it it doesn't care mm. how much you hate france or how much you piss on the germans yeah it doesn't care about any of that stuff mm. so i think that took a bit of a bit of while to get through and also let's be honest right there was an, there was a there was a question about how much do we want to save the economy 
versus how much do we want to save old people? Which is why they had that whole herd immunity theory, yeah. which was, well, let's just get, let's just let everyone get it. And then some, and then old people will die in it, but they were going to mm. die anyway because they're old. So who gives a fuck? Even mm. though they're the people who vote for the Tories in the first place. So they're yeah. kind of biting off the hand that feeds them. But, but that, but that's it basically. It, it didn't care enough. But I think when they saw the public reaction and then they started seeing what was happening in Italy specifically, yeah, they quickly reversed their decision. And I think yeah. since then, I think they've been doing okay. I think they've been they've been very reactive, which is it's a shame they weren't proactive. Yeah. But what they've done reactively, I think, has been good, or at least at least well, better than I thought it would be. That's the fear that we have. And it's going back to what you said about people having a short memory. I think when you start off so bad, you can only get better, right? Yeah, that's true. That's and I true. think pe- people will remember, oh, they, they saved us, so they prevented 20,000 deaths. Because that that's what they said in the news yesterday. They're going to try and make sure that it doesn't hit 20,000 at least. And you're just thinking, well, you shouldn't even let it hit 1,000. Mm. Let it learn, like, why are you going to such a high number? So I think what you're saying is right, that they're, they're, they've been reactive. They have tried their best. But again, from a doctor's point of view, Tez, you know, they said that they're going to test all doctors over the weekend. That still hasn't happened. All healthcare workers were supposed to be tested. That still hasn't happened. It's only happening in a few hospitals now. I think my hospital have only just started it today where they're testing us um, mm. just to make sure that if we do have, if we, if we do have it, then we self-isolate and we don't self-isolate unnecessarily. Um, I think one out of four doctors now are out of work in isolation. What? That is mental. So you're calling in all these retired doctors, you're calling in all these retired nurses, you're making all these hospitals. Well, more, beds. And the retired doctors are more vulnerable because they have the age group. Exactly. That, that is, oh my God, this is mental. <laughs> so you're, you're calling in doctors who are 65 plus to come back and work. And Tez, you know, I think a few days ago, I saw one doctor who was, uh, was going to come back into the NHS. He applied for his medical license and the GMC asked him for a fee of 600 pounds. What is happening? And you're just like, how exactly? This is what I'm saying. And this is what we don't see on the news. What we are seeing is the prime minister saying that we're going to give more PPE. We're going to put more testing out. We're going to keep the numbers low. We're going to open more hospitals. And this is what the public is seeing, right? Mm. But you have to understand that it shouldn't have even got to that in the first place. You know, we shouldn't have had to make this Nightingale Hospital. You shouldn't have to get EasyJet staff to come in and work to, to move patients around in these hospitals because that's what they're doing now. Imagine an air hostess trying to move patients around. It's it's ridiculous. That, it's bonkers. That is insane. Sorry, give me so, a second. So, Tess, just out of curiosity, are you eating chips? I was eating chips, but they're now, oh, right, but they're okay, now, but they're now finished. And okay. what's good is, because we're recording separate tracks, you can edit out all those bits where I was eating. <laughs> so it sounds really smooth. So that's really, really, that's really, really good. Oh, that's funny. Well, Tess, I, I, I wonder, so I've said all of this now to you and I'm explaining to you what's happening in the hospital, what we're seeing, our concerns as mm. medical professionals. And we're here to obviously save you and save your families. When you read things on the internet where they're saying there's not enough PPE, not enough masks to go around, people are making handmade masks. And even, you know, over the weekend, they did say that they had to order scrubs from a fetish website i saw that so, i saw that a fetish website has given like all of their like equipment and they yeah. donated it all right that yeah. is crazy so this is a fetish website that if people who got a medical kink can order like doctor's yeah. uniforms and all that and scrubs and all that sort of stuff right so they've given their entire stock and donated it 
Yeah. That's we've got we've got like sex websites saving us while yeah. the government are not doing enough. That is But how, how crazy. does that make you feel as a member of the public? And how oh, does angry, that make you... of course. Angry, frustrated. And and I just feel I, I feel so frustrated that we had a missed opportunity where we had an opportunity to elect someone at the end of last year that I mean obviously this would have come too early for his plans to have had full effect, but we know what my figure is is that we're not going to learn the lesson of this going forward in the way that we didn't learn the lesson of the financial crash in 2008 and the banks kind of there was no regulation in the banks and they kind of just carried on doing what they were doing and almost they were almost back up where they were back in 2008 mm. in terms of being reckless and stuff so my fear is is that they won't learn anything from this and by 2024 when we're in a new election cycle hot most of this will have been forgotten apart from yeah. a few fridge commentators like Owen Jones bringing it up so this is my this is my fear yeah. And it's it's my fear too as a doctor, as a healthcare worker in the NHS test, because today we're talking about the pandemic. A few years ago we were talking about our salaries. In a few years' time, forget a few years, in a few months it's gonna be something else. And it's like we're screaming into a black hole mm. all the time mm. as healthcare workers and even as members of the public, because I'm sure you expect better from your government. 100%. And you expect um and as you, you you know, going back to what you said about if it was a different government, yeah, maybe things wouldn't have gone as quickly as as we'd like to but they wouldn't have been able to inject all that money in as quickly as we'd want but the intent was there the intent was there and i think that's the most important thing having that intent because that changes the whole course of everything because if they had that intent i'm sure they would have started action in november i mean i mean mean, you look at if you look at um a government's priorities one government's priorities is saving the economy and the other government's priorities would be saving people's lives so even though this kind of crept up on us and blindsided people, I think they would have taken action a lot sooner and mm. they probably would have diverted resources in a way that would have helped you guys a lot quicker. But, I mean, that's, yeah. all, that's all hypothetical now. We are, we are where we are. But, yeah, exactly. But I'm scared for you guys, man. Like, I don't, like, like you know, inshallah, I pray that you guys all come out of this unscathed and the, tr- the three doctors that we lost, hopefully we don't lose any more. Doctors, mm. nurses, porters, you know, that there, there are a ton of people who work in hospitals that are not frontline medical staff in it. All those people, yep. hopefully, they all come out of this. You know, the, yeah. the ambulance services, the, the clerical staff, all those people, man. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, they'll come out of this safe. Well, it says. I think when we look at it from a point of from from a point of view from living in the UK, we are relatively privileged. You know, we still have a roof over our heads. Mm. We still have enough food. We can go to the supermarket. But how do you think this is going to impact our countries back at home? Because I'm not I'm not sure what the situation is like in Pakistan. I haven't read so much about Pakistan, but I know that in India there are still people go walking 100 kilometers, 200 kilometers just to go home because they've stopped all public transport. And I think I saw yesterday there was a pregnant lady who walked 100 kilometers and she almost collapsed. And it's again lack of foresight from the government because Modi last week did a trial on the Sunday and said, "Okay, we're going to go in lockdown for 13 hours." see how it goes. And then within four hours, all of a sudden, whole country on lockdown. I know, he, he gave no one, I mean, Modi, let's be honest, A, he's a fascist, but also like, he just, there was just no concern for anyone who wasn't already, who didn't already own a house. And, hmm. and so it's like, there's a massive, massive, huge gig economy in India. And, and it's probably similar to Pakistan, but probably not on the same scale, where people travel and leave their homes and go and work in the big cities and they kind of live two, three, four, ten people to a flat and they go out and they work shifts and they come home 
and they haven't got stable lives because they're just they're working and they're, and they're sending money home so that their families at home can be in the way that we used to our, our parents who came here used to do. Yeah. Um, and they've just been completely left in the lurch and been told to make their own way home because all the public transport shut down. And some of these people having to walk hundreds of kilometres to get back home. India's a big country. India's the size of Europe. It's like, it's a mass, mm. it's like trying to walk from London to, I don't know, bloody Milan or something. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that we we look at what it's like in the UK and we see what's happening here. But then when I look, about, look back at what's happening in India, it really does break my heart because... So many people, the reality is so many people are going to die. So many people are going to be affected. And every time there's a crisis in this world, whether it's a political crisis, whether it's a pandemic, it's always the same people affected. Mm. It's always the same group of people who are affected. And no one does anything to say, okay, let's try and prevent them from getting the bad end of the stick, you know? And this is what's really heartbreaking for me because I see what's happening here. We're trying to improve things and that's fine. I have more hope now. But in India and Pakistan, what what do you think is going to happen? I mean, it's, it's, it's so difficult to say. I mean, I just hope that they, they, they've gone on lockdown. In terms of their timeline of how many cases they have, they've gone on to lockdown a lot earlier than we did. So... Well, Tez, just just to just to say, you're saying the number of cases. All that is a lie. Gone. That is not true because they have not tested everybody. There are so many people who are symptomatic and still haven't been tested because they're too afraid to go into a hospital. Modi has not test has not used enough tests in the country to say these are the right numbers. Okay. Because when when in when UK were at four hundred confirmed cases, around four to five hundred, India, a population of one billion, were at eighty confirmed cases. Yeah, I saw that. And yeah, you're right. Actually, they probably that is probably massively massively under what the real number is. But they have gone into. I mean, you know, as as much as he's left all these people in the lurch. Um, I, I hope that going into a full lockdown, which can't be easy in a country like India, I hope, hope it does have an impact of slowing this thing down as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Similarly, in Pakistan, Pakistan have gone into lockdown as well. So I hope that the measures that they've taken, closing all the airports, not letting people in, they're going to probably, they're probably to let a few people out so they can go home, but yeah. not letting people yeah. in. I think it's probably a positive thing in 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 hopefully the, the short to medium term because, yeah, in a country like like India and Pakistan and Bangladesh and other countries around that region, if it really, if it becomes a massive pandemic in that country, they are so buggered because yeah. if we've got lack of equipment, what's it like over there with, with much bigger numbers of people? Yeah, it's it would be yeah. scary to think think what, what, what the situation could be. Well, Charles, we're talking about lack of equipment for us doctors here in the UK. In New York, nurses are being told to wear the same mask for five days in a row. Mental mental a mask these surgical masks you're supposed to change after every patient yeah 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 whether they're infected or not because you just don't know right you just don't know who has it and you did say that the it has there are date there are the virus can mean that you can be asymptomatic for a few days and the incubation period for this specific virus is five to 15 days so you could have it for two weeks and not know Mm. so you can imagine you're seeing lots of patients who could speak who are just speaking to you who could just cough on you and you're like well they don't have it so i can just use the same mask yeah 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 yeah. and that's it you've just infected and infected a whole hospital just going around you know um but i I really hope things things get better here there and, and well around the world really what as as a comedian and someone whose whose job is to make people laugh and smile what do you have to say to everybody what pressure you put on me here. Um, <laughs> I will say, look, be sensible, 
follow government advice, whether you like the government or not. The advice is good. Stay home unless you've got one of those key worker jobs like working in the NHS or working for Asda or, or, or you, you run a takeaway that is delivery only. Stay at home. Have your one exercise a day. To be honest, that's probably going to be taken away in the next couple of weeks anyway. But be sensible in it. Do not make any journeys that you don't need to make. Listen. Yeah. Our grandparents went to war in it. All we have to do is stay at home and watch Netflix. Stay at home and watch yeah. Netflix in it. Watch Amazon Prime. Watch Disney Plus. Watch your mum's Pakistani dramas. Just stay indoors. Yeah. And, and what, what do you have to say to other budding comedians and people who are in the same industry as you, but who are just starting off? Because this can be quite a big knockback for yeah. them right now. So do you have anything to say to them? I would say, listen, things... things Okay, things are going to get worse and then they will get better and, that, and and there will be a world left after this and hopefully a very good one. Um, everything is... Basically, this this year's gone in it. This year's a complete write-off. So whatever, whatever <laughs> career plans you had this year, just put them on hold until either later this year or early next year in it because that's just gone. So if you're yeah. struggling for money, obviously there's a lot of avenues. There's universal credit and all those benefits that you can apply for, which they've opened up now to to, to make it to, to, to more people than it would be otherwise. Or, bruv, go get a job in it. Go work for Asda. Go mm. work at Aldi. They've got jobs. They've got delivery jobs. They've got jobs in store as well. So, worst comes to worst, if you're really struggling for money, go and do that. That's what I would be doing if, if things hadn't gone all right for the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, Tez, because there's been such a radical change in our lives and a radical reordering of how we live as a society, I think it also brings about a big opportunity for change. Um, so I think this is a time now where people who do have time at home can possibly look into the, as you said, you're learning how to do more YouTube stuff and video editing. And this is a, a chance for people to do that because one thing I don't want to hear in the next few months is I'm bored or I don't have Definitely, time. <laughs> listen, learn a new skill. Like for example, I want to learn how to video edit. I want to learn how to cook. If I come out of this in six months time, having not learned how to make a single dish from my mum yet, that's, that's on me, innit? That's, that's on yeah, me. So yeah. Have some rest and recuperation. Start meditating. If you're religious, pray more. Like, there's so much things you can do. Watch all those box sets. Like, I can recommend some. The Wire, Game of Thrones. Listen, mm-hmm. watch them box sets in it. That Like, you can just go into Google top tw- like top TV series of all time. Get the top 10. Watch them all. Like, there's so much things you yeah. can be doing. If, you cr- if you've got a creative yeah. ball in your body, now is the time to explore that. Now is the time to do a bit of painting or writing mm. or vlogging or whatever it is that you thought that you'd always love to do if you wanted more time. Now's the time to do it. And it become yeah. a, it could become a lifelong hobby. It could become your career after this. Who knows? But mm. you don't need to be bored in it. Yeah. Also. You're right. Says, to, be, to be fair, now you've said all that. I wish I had time. To yes, do. I'm saying you, you're <laughs> right. You can go to work, innit? I know, yeah. Yeah, right. You're going to pick up a disease and die. But at least you get to go to work. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for joining me today, thank Tez. You so really much appreciate for having it. Yeah, listen, me and Alene. All right. oh, thank you. you. Your husband, everyone in the NHS, big up all of you guys, innit? And thank you, I think it's in advance. Thank you so much for your dedication and your sacrifices over the next few weeks and months. Well, thank you for staying at home. <laughs> yeah, I think I, that's I'm <laughs> staying at home, yeah. yeah we're, we're staying at yeah. home for you guys, innit? So that we yeah. want you guys to be bored at work. We'll be bored at home so you guys can be bored at work. That's the point. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tez. And I hope this time goes by quickly and um, we'll, see, we'll see everybody on the other side yeah. in the next good. few months. Inshallah. 
Okay, inshallah. Thank you, Tez, for joining me. Thank you, dear listeners, for joining me as well. I hope this was as fun as as I found it to be. Uh, he's a great guy, and Tez obviously has a lot of knowledge as well, which is really really nice to to speak to someone like that. You know, someone who understands politics, someone who understands what we're going through as well. Um, so, thank you to everybody who's tuned in today. Remember, if you are listening to this early on in the day, on the 3rd of April, so this Friday, which is maybe today when you're listening to it, 3rd of April at 5pm UK time, I will be going live with Ruby, Ruby Dahl, uh, she's a writer, um, we're going live on Instagram and we'll be talking about mental health issues, we'll be talking about the pandemic, we'll be talking about how you can be productive during this time, uh, we just want to have a bit of fun and chat with our audience, so if you have any questions you can send them through. So this is this Friday, 3rd April. And if you are in India, that would be at 8.30 p.m. Um, IST. So thank you all for tuning in. Remember, you can get in touch with me on Instagram at minals underscore world. You can also contact me through my website, minalsworld.com. And I hope to see you next week with another interesting episode. And of course, if you have any other questions regarding the virus, regarding the pandemic, please do let me know and drop me a message and I'll be more than happy to, to speak about any topic that will help you in the long run. So until next week, I'm Minal and thank you for tuning in.